Please rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Three cheers for His Majesty the King. Welcome back to Royally Obsessed. I'm Roberta. And I'm Rachel. And as always, a few housekeeping reminders before we dive into our jam-packed episode this week. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. Also send us a note, your favorite royal moment of the year. We'd love to hear from you. Info at gallerypodcasts.com. We've also gotten some really, really lovely reviews on Apple Podcasts, so keep leaving those. Thank you so much to everyone who's left a review so far. I know. And the, and some of these notes are trickling in too. So keep them coming. We're excited yes. to hear your top, top moments of the year. Rachel, what are we talking about? There is so much that has happened in the last week. I can't believe it. I know. Well, I'm definitely calling this the week of the whales is this was like, this is their episode. So much news for everyone that writes us and says, we sometimes don't cover them enough. They were quiet in the summer. They are back and bold. There's a lot going on. We've got together at Christmas a nineties inspired Christmas card and not one, but two Prince Louis sightings this week. I feel like that is the gift that That's we all needed for the end of the year. <laughs> we we're also talking about Prince Harry's ongoing UK security dispute, questionable behavior regarding Martin Bashir again and the BBC, more reflections on the crowd. There's just a lot, a lot, a lot in today's show. Action packed. And now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail. Yeah, to get through all that, we are sipping some Baileys. We are now crowdsourcing some drink ideas. So if anyone has any good ideas for festive royal cocktails, send them our way for the end of the year, the last two weeks. We asked Laura Ann of All That's Pretty for her recommendation, and she says a Bailey's espresso martini. Doesn't that sound so delicious? Yeah, she said that's what everyone in the UK orders. She's like, Bailey's is the key ingredient this time of year in the UK. I'm definitely going to be drinking some Baileys this holiday season. Also, on the heels of mentioning Laura Ann, I'm wearing my Flars jacket. Oh, did you which get it? I love. Yes, I just got it. Oh. It came. It took a little while to ship because it's international, of course, but it has the Liberty of London print. Oh, it's and it's so pretty. So cozy. Oh, my well, Rachel, gosh. you're wearing the most beautiful red lip. You look so festive. Well, I needed to dress it up. I know it's not exactly Christmas yet, but I needed to showcase, can you see beyond my headphones, the beautiful earrings that Roberta they gave so me good. for Christmas. Oh I got the most exciting mailer. And I know we're sipping this cocktail, but I also have a side snack. I'm sad we're over Zoom of this <laughs> Marks and Spencer shortbread cookies. Like Finn has actually been eating all of them. The most thoughtful thoughtful holiday gift. Roberta, you are so above and beyond with your creativity. Well, the earrings are very Elizabeth Debicki in the crown. And so I had to buy them. Of course, they just reminded me of that so much. And I have to plug Rachel and I also wrote for Pure Wow a gift guide to for super fans of the crown. It's called 12 Royally Stylish Gifts. Yes. For fans of the crown. So check that out if you are wanting to see like the polo Ralph Lauren button down that you found. Oh my gosh. I know. I know. I will say, I just want to go back to the earrings for one second that I wore them this weekend to a school function for Finn. And Mm. it was, I wore them with a red turtleneck and a navy like peacoat kind of long jacket (gasps) and the earrings. And I, and I was like, I look so nineties right now, which is a great segue (laughs) into what we're going to be talking about coming up. Oh my gosh. I love it so much. And also your museum shopping tip. Somebody wrote us in and loved that. Oh my gosh. I know. I'm so glad you guys like that. We are here for all the shopping advice. We're very good at it. We clearly love it. (laughs) Did you get some good gifts this weekend? I did on Friday and I walked almost 30,000 steps because I just couldn't be bothered with the subway. So I made a map of where I was going and I just kept walking. It was a nice day. Had my day off. 
I am a little, please mind my nasally sound today, guys, because I am a little under the weather with a cold, but maybe that's why, because I walked 30,000 steps in the cold. That's what happens with toddlers. I know Finn was sick oh, before you yeah, were. Yeah, just passed it right just, on to me. That's just how it goes. But that's, I was worried about that this weekend at Disney. And oh, yeah, how was Disney? Neither of them were sick. It was Amazing. I also walked almost 30,000. I'm sure. Steps. I'm sure. That's like a big benefit, right? I love getting that like data point. It was nice because we ate and drank so much. So you feel a little bit better about that. But oh my gosh, the festiveness of Disney around the holidays. I had no idea that it would just be, it was like the total adrenaline rush of Christmas. And there were fireworks and decorations and all of the characters. And the kids loved it so much. My niece and nephew. Oh were like overwhelmed by how much they loved it. What was your favorite ride? My favorite ride was probably Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. I know. Whoa, that was like totally school. not on my bingo card for what you would say, but I don't know what I would say. I didn't, we didn't ride a ton of like adult rides because we wanted to do things with the kids and Izzy rode that one and she had a blast. Like I, I've never seen so much joy and she's only four riding oh. a roller coaster like i didn't ride roller coasters when i was that little but oh, it's a roller coaster oh it my was a gosh. roller coaster because it's like the minds of the dwarfs. Oh, yes. yeah it's really I totally it was did really that fun. as a child oh my gosh we did guardians of the galaxy though and that one was like not with the kids no that height limit <laughs> height was limits. too high yeah but that was really funny oh fun. my gosh you're making me so excited for my trip i cannot <laughs> I wait know. in march can't wait all right, moving on to our listener email from Jenna. She writes us that she has been late in catching up on the crown part one hashtag mom life, but wanted to share some thoughts. She says, I think back often to an interview Emma Corrin did in 2020 in reference as to why the show didn't recreate Charles and Diana's wedding. Corrin said the crown is about Queen Elizabeth, not Princess Diana or Camilla Parker Bowles, for that matter. Everything actually has to feed back to the queen, even Diana's plot line. It's all about what she's doing and the effect that that's having on the queen. She said that's why it's called the crown. Jenna writes, even if I was disappointed at not seeing the wedding recreation, this seemed very strategic and matter of fact in its explanation. However, if this is the case, then why was so much time spent on every minute of Diana's final two weeks? Why bother putting so much time and detail into Dodi and Mohammed Al-Fayed's storyline? That seems like a turnabout. Jenna also continues. She questions, is this also an explanation for why Charles and the Crown get such favorable airtime, while Diana is portrayed as flighty and inconsistent at best? They feel a need to construct the storyline as it pertains to Charles, who will be the Crown, more so than Diana. Very curious to hear your thoughts on this. Love the pod. Look forward to it each week. I feel like this is such a good call out because that's what I kept thinking was that how does Diana's death relate to... The royal family and i don't think that they focused on that enough in those last four episodes what do you think yeah i also feel like the pressure to tell diana's story really became so so big mm -hmm. because i feel like when i see the trailers for part two we i think we talked about this a little bit last week it feels much more similar to how the claire foy era of the crown was where it's cherry picking these details and storylines that we weren't we were less familiar with, right? We yes. we know loosely about them or things like that, but it just felt like the Diana path was, you know, it's a huge story. So I understand the time spent, but. Yeah, that's what Jenna said too. We had to shorten this note for timing, but she also wrote, it could have been a ratings play because so many people just want to know more about Diana. It's like the attention yeah. overload kind of thing. So yeah. Well, we just need to mention, too, The Crown Part 2 drops this Thursday. Woo! Those Can't six wait. episodes come out Thursday, which is the day our episode drops. So we obviously haven't watched yet, but we are so excited to watch those. And we will definitely be talking about that in the future. 
Also, another call for emails. We've gotten some really wonderful emails about the best royal moments of 2023, and we'd love to hear more. So send us, send us those. We will definitely be reading them soon. Your favorite royal moment of 2023. Some of them are actually like our listeners interacting with the royals in real time. So I mean, this audience (laughs) impresses me every minute, every day. All right, this week in royal history, we're going to move through this kind of quickly because we really want to spotlight the Waleses in this episode. But big royal moment on December 11th, 1936, the abdication of King Edward VIII was announced. This was, of course, as we know, dubbed a royal crisis at the time. King Edward VIII chose Wallace Simpson over his royal duty to reign. I'm going to play a clip of the abdication speech from the BBC, which Edward made from Windsor Castle. I have for 25 years tried to serve. But you must believe me when I tell you that I have found it impossible to carry the heavy burden of responsibility and to discharge my duties as king as I would wish to do without the help and support of the woman I love. I think what's kind of impressive about this speech is that he really wanted to be transparent about his reasons. So he got permission to make it and share that level of detail. It's about seven minutes long if you want to check it out in full on YouTube. We, of course, know that the Church of England was incredibly against him marrying Wallace Simpson, who was a twice divorced woman. Some other details, because we've covered this over the years on the podcast, so we don't want to spend too much time, but a few things that stood out to me. I didn't know there was a blackout within the media leading up to his final decision to leave. Like, the media could not cover that he was waffling at all, even though there were rumblings about it. It It's so interesting. Also, that so much was the worry about his choice that his phone was bugged by the Home Secretary, John Simon, to keep on top of the escalating situation. (gasps) Whoa. And not a cell phone, but a rotary phone. I know. The oldest phone ever. This was some effort, right? Wow. Also, one more fun fact I'm going to give because this just floored me and also feels like it speaks to some modern times here, that the BBC was actually ordered not to record the speech, but they did so anyway. And for decades, there was this kind of, does it exist? Does it not exist? And yes, it absolutely exists. But thank God, what a piece of history and how powerful to be able to go and even for us just to replay a snippet of it. Just thought that was crazy. And of course, final thought here. We know that the, you know, snowball effect, we would not have had the remarkable reign of Queen Elizabeth II had he not abdicated. Yeah. I also, you mentioning BBC, we'll talk about the BBC later in this episode, but just the tumultuous history the royals have had with the BBC. It's really interesting. I know. I know. Oh, I also wanted to shout out this week in royal history. It's the 31st wedding anniversary of Princess Anne and Tim. And we weren't going to mention this, but I saw that they released the numbers of the royal engagements and she got hardest working royal with 457 engagements this year. That's the most out of anyone, including the king and queen. So pretty crazy. I love Anne. This is not a knock to Anne, but does this also make you think of Spare? Because remember, Harry knocked the court circular. Yes. He was like, they don't document the behind the scenes work, which is a lot. Like you could have, I think he said you could have nine visits to veterans, yeah. private visits, but then you go and cut one ribbon. I'm not knocking Anne. She is incredible and a force, but I just love that context. When you hear 457, when there's only 365 days in a year, and it's like some people like just care about the number kind of that's what it makes me feel like it's like yeah, how yeah, many yeah. participation medals can you get kind of thing but 
I do, I do yeah. love Anne. I think she is so, so hardworking and Oh, my wonderful. gosh. Again, yeah. not against her. Just interesting with the court circular. All right. Well, we've built this up. So should we get on to the Wales's massive week? We like need a drum yeah. roll. My gosh, I didn't mean that to get that extreme, but it kind of did. We wish we could have covered this last week on the episode, but it was Friday. So we had to hold it for this week. But we want to flash back to the Together at Christmas concert. So it was held at Westminster Abbey, of course. I'm sure everyone who's listening has seen all those arrival photos of the Wales's. Seems that the royals showed up in full force. Of course, the king and queen were not there because they said they had a longstanding prior engagement. Also noticeably missing was James and Elise. They were there last year, but of course, you know that I was keeping tabs on whether they'd show this year and they didn't. They do have a newborn. Wolfie made his debut with Princess Beatrice and Edo. Also, Louis's big Huge. concert debut, which was so sweet. Prince William read a Bible reading. Adam Lambert performed, among others. I just wanted to ask, what is the Royals' obsession with American Idol? Because the Coronation concert and Katy Perry, and they did that spot with American Idol. It's so That's interesting. That's so true. I was an American Idol <laughs> addict. I, like, bought Ab- Adam Lambert's CDs. And I do love, like, that he did so much with Queen, the band, and that was kind of his thing when he was on American Idol. But, yeah. We would have been best friends when we were younger because I also was obsessed with American Idol. But only, you like, were? the Kelly Clarkson years. The Kelly Clarkson <laughs> era. Jinx. Oh, my gosh. Did you go to the concert? Please? I've never been to a Kelly Did Clarkson concert, but I had her CDs. No, no, no. The American oh, Idol tour no. of her year. I forgot that was a thing. I will not be digging up those photos, <laughs> Roberta, but I absolutely went. Okay, back to the Royals. We have to talk about, of course, what they wore, the fashion. The best dressed award, in my opinion, goes to all of the Middleton women. Kate was wearing, of course, a white custom coat and white Holland and Cooper trousers, but Pippa blew me away with her Saloni tweed suit and two bows. She had one in her hair, one around her waist. Loved it. I've been wearing more bows in my hair. Do you have a bow? Oh, in look your at hair? mine. I have a bow. <gasps> I'm really dressed to impress today. Can I just get some credit? You for that? Are, it looks like you're going to a holiday party. And I nope, look like I will pick up later. The shower, Woo-hoo. which I did. I have no fun plans. I play tennis later. That's it. <laughs> I love it. And also, I have to say, honorable mention to Carol with the velvet jacket and trousers. They all got the trouser memo. I thought that was really nice. A show of unity. Yes. I watched a couple clips from the night. Of course, the whole thing will air on Christmas Eve on ITV and hopefully on BritBox this year. But Kate had mentioned in one of the clips, you could hear her talking to someone who attended. And she said, last night, I couldn't really sleep because of the nerves. So she's just like all of us. It was interesting, though. You know, post-Endgame Fallout, which was all we could talk about last week. The Daily Mail, you know, there's this show of unity, but then the Daily Mail runs this headline. Whew, I saw it. The headline is A Royally White Christmas. I liked what Lainey Gossiper, she said it wasn't even snowing and only two out of the eight royals were wearing white. What do you think they could have possibly meant by this headline? Yeah, I know. I have two reactions. Can I share them with you to the proceedings? One is, you know, to credit Elizabeth Holmes, she talked about this extensively, but I felt like Kate was peak Christmas mom at this occasion with having to shepherd the three kids. I like that she arrived solo first, so she had a moment to be present. Yeah. And then she went back. But I think just the stress of them holding those candles, which I know is a Christmas tradition, but I feel like, Louis, it's just... 
I was nervous about Charlotte's hair. I Her felt hair like is so long. It's so long and so close to the flame. And I was thinking about that, but also just the coordination that goes on. I know Kate obviously has a team, but it's like to make sure the kids are well fed and it's such a public spotlight. And yeah. there were a couple of images of Kate where her eyes were kind of like bugging out. I know the camera catches it a bad moment, but it's, you know, the stress is real. And I think my only other comment is just that I really do kind of wish, regrettably, that the king and queen were there because the the message is together at Christmas. And it made me think of Omid's comments and some of our own that we really haven't seen Charles and William together at anything at all. That's so interesting. Where was Charles again? I mean, maybe it was a private engagement, but yeah, where he was. Long-standing prior engagement. I don't know. It is. Can I ask, Glass, who was your best dressed? Oh, I think Pippa, for sure. Pippa. Okay. I think I, I was going to say I think Beatrice for me. With that Beulah London, London the tartan dress. Yeah, I, I do. That. I do like that. I just, I thought Pippa's suit, I'm all about the wearing pants and being comfortable. I think that was don't just- Don't get me wrong. She was stunning, too. And I'm just going to wear more bows, all bows this holiday season. That's my trend. And I like that you mentioned the kids because I did want to say, too, that they mailed their, their holiday cards at the red little post box out in front of Westminster Abbey. And Rebecca English, of course, the Daily Mail I roll, but she had the scoop that they all hand wrote their own cards and they go to other children in need. So that was really sweet. Yeah. But we need to also mention the Baby Bank video. Kensington Palace released this candid behind the scenes video of Kate and the kids volunteering at their local Baby Bank in Maidenhead. They're with co-CEO of the Baby Bank, Laura Hall, and it's so wonderful. We have to play it. Right. You ready? What we would like you to do is try and choose some presents for some children who are similar age to you guys. So if you think about what you would like to, to play with. Just a short little snippet, but it is shot by William and Kate's favorite, Will War, who, of course, you'll remember, shot that family video that was like a music video for their 10th anniversary two years ago. The kids packed bags for kids their own age. Some of the best moments to me were Charlotte's reactions to so many things. The baby onesie where she screams, this is Welsh. Also her <sighs> little ooh la la, it's a, another piece of clothing or something. Prince Louis and the King Kong gorilla. George, who I cannot get over how old he looks in this. I know. It takes my breath away. We have to talk about that in the Christmas card section. But it's just like, it just is crazy. But he's agreeing with his mom who says, you know, isn't this so fulfilling? And he says, yes, it is. And he wants to come back. I guess that's what he told Laura Hall is that he wants to come back. They also were just so excited. Uh, Laura Hall, the co-CEO, she told reporters that Prince Louis was so excited he thought he had walked into a toy store. (laughs) I mean, fair. I feel like that would be a common reaction of a kid in that situation. But like, I like the idea that you're having him participate in that effort to distribute to other kids. Because I do think, just speaking from Finn, Louis and Finn are so similar ages that it's like, it's very hard. We're having a lot of conversations at home about giving to other people. I was going to say, the only backlash to this I saw was The Guardian had an article called Anti-Poverty Campaigners Raise Concerns Over Royal Visits to Baby Banks. They make the case, they said, this is a wonderful thing to do, fair, but they make the case that baby banks shouldn't exist in the first place, that they should have enough money, of course, like the social safety net should be covering everyone. They shouldn't be like a charitable answer to poverty, which... You know, I get, but also that just feels kind of against what this is all about. And it's giving. Well, but the need is there. It's not being met. So it's like they do need to exist in that in that realm. Exactly. 
I felt like when I saw this, though, especially on the heels of our conversation with Tom Quinn last week, I felt such an authenticity between Kate and her children and just what it it speaks to her level of involvement as a parent Mm. and probably Williams, too, or definitely Williams. I don't mean to be like probably William, (laughs) but just that, you know, the kids really seem to have a strong relationship. I don't think you can fake that. And their interactions with their mom were very apparent in those videos. I immediately thought of Granny Diana, too. I mean, I just think of Princess Diana and how proud she she would be of her grandkids. And you mentioned this, too, but this is kind of bucking the royal parenting trend. Like, will these kids have a different perspective? Of course they will than William and Harry. And will the royal family kind of evolve to be more modern in that respect? And Yeah. What's the long ranging impact? I totally agree. I did also last thing is that I love the effort to show, not tell this. I know it's very like filtered with Will War and and I love what he puts together, but you also had the passage with William. Mm -hmm. And I think that it really is great to see a little bit more in depth behind the scenes of these of the work that they're doing, basically. Yeah. So Prince William visited the passage yesterday to serve Christmas dinner for their during their holiday party at the charity. That's, you know, something his mother was very involved with. And this baby bank video also gave me those Diana vibes of her visiting homeless shelters and things like that. So it's so interesting because I think the show not tell thing does all of this drama, you know, the fallout from Endgame, but not only that, but Harry and Meghan, just all of 2023 and 2022 and Spare and all of that. Does the drama overshadow what they're doing? I mean, that's just something we have to keep thinking about. It feels like what they really should be doing is things like this. Like Kate and William should be out there making more of these videos involving the kids, letting people see how their work impacts the public in the UK. And I feel like we just haven't seen a ton of that from Harry and Meghan. I know they dropped their Archwell end of the year video, but it doesn't feel like that's... I don't know. I just feel like we had that for every engagement they did. It's not it's not so secret all the time, I guess. Yeah, I think that there just needs to be more of an effort to show the work with William and Kate, especially. And also just this demonstrates the idea that the royals really can't be silent film stars anymore. For me, is how I feel. Mm -hmm. All right, let's move on to the Christmas cards. All right. The Christmas cards. Like, what a weekend. I was not expecting the double dose with the concert and this. I guess I just wasn't on the ball about this because obviously tis the season. But Saturday, we got both the King and Queen and the Wales's Christmas card. Kate and William went with a studio session shot by first time royal photographer Josh Shinner. The King and Queen chose a portrait from the coronation. I think that it was very pronounced the modern twist on the on the holiday card versus the formality. The reactions were swift. A lot of people said it's giving JCPenney, which I see that. But also it's on trend with the 90s aesthetic that's really raining right now, not to mention leaning twice in this episode. But she talked about how they, Kate and William, were actually on trend while something was still a trend. Headlines I didn't love, the digs at Harry and Meghan and the attempts to like basically talking about how whether Kate and William were one-upping their California cool or cosplaying California cool. I'm like, it just doesn't need to go there, in my opinion, for something like this. Because the reach was kind of strong, like people were really trying to connect the dots by them choosing to wear a white button down jeans, really tailored back that they were just trying to be super simplistic and modern, like Californians are said to be. But I think the bottom line is that it was a huge departure from Christmas cards of the past and the vibe was effortless glamour, but also... Diana, that's what I saw. What do you think? Yeah, I totally think that. Also very quiet luxury. Just yes, 
very it was just in such contrast to the king and queen's christmas card and in such contrast to all that we've seen from them this year with all the tiaras all the banquets the coronation everything i just feel like they're trying to be very relatable but also the the other part of me that's like you know devil's advocate you have all these wonderful pictures from the coronation so why do you need to pay for an extra you know photo shoot that was only the only thing i thought was like it's not relatable at all because they're just paying this high profile fashion photographer to take pictures of their family in a palace with jeans on i don't know know. that's like that's the only thing i was thinking i was like spending extra money on that I could see where people would say that. I don't, I think that it's a wonderful photo. I love the kids. I mean, Charlotte feels like the star of the show. The only one sitting on the throne. But also for me, George, can you please click the link that I have to the, it says pick next to George. I feel like this screams William in 1998 for me when he was like 16. (gasps) The smize, like he, remember we went to an event together. We did the smize together. We were like really trying, but I feel he just looks so grown up here. And I just see William a A lot lot. and sort of just that that half smile. I do think that the choice was interesting because it is their first full year of as Prince and Princess of Wales for Kate and William. And it also, just because it harkens back to those earlier Christmas cards, like Diana did a black and white image in 1994 with both Harry and William, it kind of does showcase that pattern of royal family portraits and keeps the spotlight on the work, which was what Diana's Mm. intention was back then. It's, you know, so simple and you're stripping away the ability to ID fashion. Although, of course, people ID'd the fashion because George had the polo, the yes. Ralph Lauren logo. So that was ID'd. Also, Charlotte's is the Diana shirt or the Diana blouse from Amaya, <gasps> which is so fascinating oh, wow. that it's called the Diana. So it really was that line was being drawn between Diana and this choice stylistically. I didn't see the JCPenney comment, but I did see people saying it's like a polo Ralph Lauren ad, which I got more of the Gap 90s vibes. Like Gap is totally on point here. But it's definitely like those studio sessions that people would go to the mall for. And yeah, it's just it's not very Christmassy, though. Did you miss the like Christmas fest development? Because I know like in the picture in Jordan, their Christmas card that year was very festive because there was like fur rugs and things everywhere and the color. That wasn't super Christmassy, though, right? Like, I guess the last year they were just strolling. Yeah, the the Norfolk ones are definitely more Christmassy with the sweaters. No, but those were weren't those just summery last year? Oh, I'm talking about like years past, like when they're wearing sweaters and stuff like boots, you know, the Penelope Chilvers boots and them sitting on those fire. Yes. Yes. and things like that. Those are all Norfolk, right? Yes. And I feel like those, you're right. Those were totally wintry. Wintry, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was surprised that William and Kate like actually set aside time to do a big, like this kind of is like a production, right? I liked that the photographer though said that the kids were telling him jokes and that he has like some new jokes to tell now. He he wouldn't spill the beans on Instagram. He said, someone asked him what jokes and he was like, I can't tell. But are you reaching for your white button downs even more now? I feel like all the royals, they're all the rage. Quiet luxury, but also just... Totally. And the belt. I liked that she belted, Kate belted her jeans. I did find it interesting too. I have like notes on the Christmas card (laughs) because I didn't want to forget. Yes. (laughs) Oh, just I just want to go back to Charles and Camille for just one second, because in like side by side with William and Kate, it feels cartoonish, does it not? Well, I feel like that's one thing that we do need to mention is that it's like you have Charles and Camilla. It's incredibly opulent over the top. And yes, they did pay extra for a portrait studio, but that's kind of in the royal way. Right. And theirs is very dressed down, very simplistic, very like low maintenance. We are 
low-key, simple, no frills. It's a very stark contrast between the two. Yeah, it is. Did they communicate on that? Probably not. It's almost jarring to me, which makes me think that their teams are totally in silo. They're not, they're, they're sep- completely separate because I just don't think you'd want to see your current king who doesn't have that high of a popularity rate flaunting all of the wealth of the coronation and all the money that was spent from the public on that. And then the next king is like so subdued, so relatable. So I don't know. It's just I will say, okay, last last argument in defense of the king and queen making that choice is that of all the years, it's like think about our decisions to post like coronation photos or things like that. It's like this is the one year to share that coronation portrait. It's like he's waited his whole life. That's what I meant earlier. Is that like okay, like William and Kate, like this is the year to put that coronation photo out there. Yes. Okay. I see you what know you're what saying. I mean? Instead of like But they'll do it when he's coronated. I guess so. Yeah, you're right. We could go on, right? This is so fun to debate. <laughs> it really is. We could just have a whole like I feel like we could teach a class called like Royals 101 and this would be like the final exam is like analyze the Christmas card. <laughs> and each class like the syllabus is just one royal portrait at a time for like for sorry the holiday cards. Just the holiday card edition. The extra credit is like where are the like conspiracy theory Easter egg kind of things and because my mind was like Polo Ralph Lauren. George is wearing Ralph Lauren but isn't that you know, the head of PR set up Meghan and Harry, Violet von Westenholz. But also Diana loved Polo Ralph Lauren, too. Oh okay, last, last thing, <laughs> Roberta. I love to say last, last thing. But did you also, speaking of conspiracies, did you see the threads about the photoshopping of the card, that there was a flaw, which I wholeheartedly do not agree with, that Louis was missing a finger? Oh, my gosh, because his fingers are, like, spread out on the They're edge just of the spread. chair. Wait, Come on, guys. no, it's not just that. It's because of the feet. Kate doesn't have feet oh. and Louis's feet are covered. It's so oh, I didn't see it's that like one. very strange, but also it's like not that strange if you think about it, because the the floor, whatever thing is ruffled. Yes. But, but I wanted to see Kate's shoes. I'm a little mad about that actually. Like she looks like she could she be wearing Rothy's? Oh, probably. <gasps> no, definitely. Just kidding. Or the or the Diana loafer from Birdies. Have you seen that? No, please send. It's called the Diana. It's modeled after Princess Diana. Everyone go buy it. Check it out. All right, moving on really quickly. Our last little bit of news is the update about Harry's royal security and the Queen's wish that he had had it. There was a court hearing this week about the security for Harry and Meghan. The couple is appealing their decision by Ravik to not have publicly funded advanced security when they're in the UK. This is a major thing because their private security cannot carry weapons when they're in the UK. And Harry argues that this is necessary for their own protection. So in a nearly 40-page court filing, we got some new updates and snippets from a letter Queen Elizabeth II's secretary, Sir Edward Young, wrote to a cabinet secretary back in January of 2020. The snippet includes this passage, which I'll read. It says, You will understand well that ensuring the Duke and Duchess of Sussex remain safe is of paramount importance to Her Majesty and her family. Given the Duke's public profile by virtue of being born into the royal family, his military service, the Duchess's own independent profile, and the well-documented history of targeting of the Sussex family by extremists, it is imperative that the family continues to be provided with effective security. Harry has a response 
During the hearing, his lawyer shared that he wrote, it is with great sadness for both of us that my wife and I felt forced to step back from this role and leave the country in 2020. The UK is my home. The UK is central to the heritage of my children and a place I want them to feel at home as much as where they live at the moment in the US. That can happen if it's not possible to keep them safe when they're on UK soil. I can't put my wife in danger like that. And given my experiences in life, I'm reluctant to unnecessarily put myself in harm's way too. This is pretty big because the queen giving this endorsement of Harry having his security, I think that's going to make a big impact in the trial. What do you think? Yeah, it also just backs up that Harry, like what Harry has said, which is that the queen kind of had his back. Yeah. It's time for the royal highs and lows. All right, before we adjourn the royal pod, our highs and lows... All right, my low this week is the update that the BBC has been ordered to release even more emails about the Martin Bashir cover-up of the Panorama interview. Charles Spencer, Diana's brother, went on BBC Radio and accused the BBC of a cover-up of a cover-up. We're going to play a little clip from his conversation. What Andy Webb refers to as the cover-up of the cover-up, and that goes only back to the autumn of 2020. Uh, I was told when I approached the BBC management at that time that there was no way we could talk to Martin Bashir. He was too ill to talk, uh, and he was uh, uh, written off by doctors as such. But we know, we haven't been able to read yet, but we know there are 38 emails between Bashir and senior people at the BBC at this time. My suspicion is that they were cooking up a story to try and make him unavailable during a time of particular interest in Diana's interview, which was the 25th anniversary. And I believe that the people responsible for this cover-up were thinking, if we can string this out long enough, keep Bashir off games effectively for a few weeks, mm-hmm. this thing will blow away. Yeah, it's it's just so mind-blowing to think that even in 2020, the BBC might still be hiding things that senior executives were trying to keep Bashir out of the media spotlight as much as possible. My love is just this kind of tidbit that was shared that Shakira quit Earthshot. I know she was just recently settling her tax case in Spain. Earthshot's line is that it's the end of her three-year term, but I feel like the timing is a little bit suspect. You also have Danny Alves, who is in custody for an alleged sexual assault. His term is also up. Was there a term limit, Roberta? I was looking at some of the other judges panel or the judges council and Kate Blanchett. It was on from the beginning and she continues to stay on. So it's kind of interesting, but it is interesting. It does feel like a, it's a bit of a revolving door, though, for the judges. Like they just want to have yeah. new, new faces, new excitement, new energy. Yeah, maybe it means two two new vacancies. I don't know. All right. My high is that just Prince Louis. Prince Louis is my high. Just seeing him <laughs> twice this week and actually kind of a third time with the Christmas card him blowing out Charlotte's candle, that photo from the Christmas concert, it's oh, hysterical. Gosh, yes. He's just, he's the, my favorite royal. That's it. Oh, I love it. I love it. My high is on a similar note. Did you see that the New York Times released their most stylish report and the only royal to make it this year, King Charles, and they gave a single sentence description because he finally got to wear St. Edward's crown. And I just kind of, when I read that, I sort of sat back a little and I was just like, yeah, that's right. This is a mic drop year for King Charles and we'll give it to him because he waited how long? I mean, it just, it made me happy for him for a second. I love it. 
I love it. Just a reminder before we close, please leave us a royal review. This wasn't a review, but it is a really sweet note that we really wanted to read from Kristen Borgia. She says, I'm catching up on my episodes and wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you in all caps for all the wonderful history you continuously share about the royals. I absolutely loved hearing about the history behind the silver coins given to babies who were born on the same day as Prince George, as well as the food parcels when King Charles was born. It's just fascinating. Hope you ladies have a wonderful holiday season. We have received some really wonderful notes and reviews so please keep leaving those we love reading them we'll read some next week and till next week god God save the pod her majesties of royally obsessed have retired for this episode god save the pod and if you fancy the podcast give royally obsessed the royal rating of five stars on apple podcasts follow us on instagram at royally obsessed podcast and join our facebook group royally obsessed Royally Obsessed is a Gallery Podcast production.